Good morning. I already got tears. <laughs> Sorry. Morning, guys. I'm excited to be up here sharing. It's exciting to be able to release the worship team and to, yeah, just to see them doing so well this morning. And excited to share with you guys. So thank you for being here. It's a privilege to share with you guys this morning. It's really a privilege. And as you guys know, we started a series of, or if you were here last week, you know, that we started Colossians, uh, in the book of Colossians last week. So we're slowly going to go through this book of the Bible. And Hugh started us off last Sunday um, with the first, I think we made it through seven or eight verses. So I'm going to pick up where he left off this morning and starting in verse nine. So if you have a Bible or a smartphone or whatever, if not, it's fine. Um, but if you want to follow along, you can go to Colossians 1, verse 9, this morning. So, okay, Paul is writing to the Colossians, to um, Colossae. So the Apostle Paul, or Paul the Apostle, as Hugh pointed out last week, is not a title. Paul the Apostle uh, is writing to Colossae, the believers in Colossae. And there's a church start that was there, that happened there, uh, by Epaphras. Epaphras is in the book of Colossians, and he started a church, much like what we're doing here. So Paul didn't start the church. Um, we know from the Bible that Epaphras started it, and he's a convert of Paul's, or he was, you know, he's a mentee of Paul's, whatever it is. He went off, he learned from Paul, and he decided, I'm going to go plant a church. So we can relate to a lot of things in this book, because this is a relatively young church plant as I was studying, I realized this is a young church. This is a new church. And Paul is saying, well done. He's saying, you guys had a great start. So just as we have had a great start as well. Hugh told us last week that Paul thanked God for them. He thanked God for their love for each other. He thanked God for the faith that they had. He thanked God that the true gospel is being preached and proclaimed and received. And he thanked God. He even said that they have an understanding of grace, that they already understand grace. Um, grace, for those who don't know, is God's unmerited, his unearned, his undeserved favor just poured out on us that we have done nothing to receive. And they understood grace and they've experienced God's love. And there's fruit and there's growth. So he commended them all for that last, last week and in Colossians, the first part of Colossians. And now he's petitioning for them. He's praying for them. He's praying for many things for them in this prayer that we're going to look at today. He's, he's encouraging them, he's praying for them, and he's praying for more for them. He's praying for more. He's saying, well done, good start, there's more. And I feel like that's a word for us as a church. Well done, we've had a great start, but there's so much more. And, there's, and he's, that's what he's praying for them for. You see, we don't get saved, and then it ends, right? Salvation is not the end. Salvation is the beginning. It's the very start of a walk and a journey with the Lord that we're on. So it's not like, oh, we just get saved and then that's the goal. No, we are just beginning on a path of walking with Jesus, learning to walk in step with him, following him, knowing him more as came through so beautifully in the worship, knowing him more, just knowing him more, allowing him to fill us with who he is more and more. So we're on a journey with the Lord as believers, all of us. We never arrive, never arrive. We just get to know him more and more. And that's a theme in all of Paul's letters is urging people on, urging believers on. Keep pressing in, keep trusting for more, keep knowing God more, keep going. It's a theme 
in Paul's letters. And so we can know from that that God doesn't want us to stay where we're at. He doesn't want us to, not because something's wrong with us. He wants us to grow. He wants more for us. And I believe he wants more for us as a church this morning. And I know you guys believe that too. So the purpose of Paul writing Colossians uh, wasn't explicitly stated in the letter, but through the language of the letter, you can see that there's some false teaching going on, and it's happening within the church. It's actually not happening from outside the church. It's within the church. There's some false doctrine, some false teaching, some people that are having false humility. Sounds like they're beating their body into submission and doing all kinds of crazy things in the name of religion. And Paul is addressing that because he's saying, it's all been done in Jesus. It's all been done in Jesus. Stop doing these things that you don't need to do. You have fullness in Christ. You have everything in Christ. And so they're kind of going off course, and Paul's bringing them back onto course. So let's look at the prayer um, that, that Paul prays, because that's where I'm going to start off this morning, in verse 9. There's a lot of things in here that we can look at, and we can see God's heart. So starting in verse 9, I'm going to read it. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. That's Paul's first prayer, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. And this is not, what does it mean to know his will, right? What does it mean to know his will? This isn't know if who I should marry or what job I should take. Yes, there's some of that, but this is to know him. This is that they would be filled with actually knowing Jesus, the person of Jesus, that they would know him more. And that's Paul's prayer. Not that you would know his will for what, you know, you should wear to school today or whatever. It's that you would know him. You would know Jesus more. And that's what Paul is praying. He's referring to this deep revelation and understanding of Jesus, but also who we are in Jesus, what we have in Jesus, our identity in Jesus that we're in Christ, that who we are, that we're hidden in Christ, that our identity is secure. And so Paul wants them to know that so they can come from this place of knowing, I belong to Jesus, I'm in Christ, I'm hidden in Christ. That is a theme throughout the letter. I want to just read verse 21. You don't have to turn there. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So once we are aliens from God but, and enemies with God, but once we're saved and because of Jesus, we're reconciled to Jesus. We're reconciled to Jesus because of him, free from accusation, without blemish. He already sees the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus when he looks on us. There's not much more to it than that. We would love to add a bunch of other stuff, wouldn't we? Well, is that really enough? No, it is. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And that's Paul's theme in this letter. Spiritual fullness in Christ. In chapter 2, I'm going to read it to you. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. That's Paul's heart, is that we know who we are, that our identity is secure in Jesus. So to know his will, I grew up kind of thinking, um, and maybe some of you in the church, uh, I was around people who would say, the Lord willing, I'll be there this Sunday, or the Lord willing, I'll be at that potluck, or if the Lord wills it, I won't die today, 
just like that's how I understood God's will, right? This controlling, need to control every decision we make and we don't really know what's going on and he's dictating everything and I, that's not what this means. That's not what this text means and I, got, I just had this wow moment as I was reading it of how wrong that thinking is and just to know his will is to know his heart, is to know him, is to know his desire for us. That's to know his will. So maybe that's revelation for you as it was for me this week. I was like, yeah, that's not right. And back to Colossians. Through. So we continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. The Holy Spirit gives. So all of the knowledge and wisdom and knowing God it's all through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives it. We cannot, as Christians, be convicted enough of our dependence on the Holy Spirit for everything, for everything, to grow us, to just refresh us, to comfort us, to teach us God's ways. We are totally dependent on the Spirit. There's nothing we can, like, teach ourselves. We can't mature ourselves or grow ourselves. Or If I just try really hard, then I'm going to grow and I'm going to know God more by trying really hard. It's revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. We are totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that's hard because everything in us wants to do and fix and teach ourselves. But it's all God says through the Holy Spirit. Listen to John 14, 23. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's Jesus telling us. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and he's going to teach you everything. And he's going to remind you of everything that I've taught you. And he's going to remind you of me. And he's going to show you me. And I love this as it finishes. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Is it the will of God for our hearts to be heavy and troubled? To live in fear? It's the heart of God for us to have peace, regardless of situations. It's God's heart. That's his will. If you want to know his will, it's that we have peace. The more we know Jesus, the more we know his will, his heart, the more we can discern what's good, what's right, what's true, what's not true, the more we can discern and God wants us to be discerning. So he wants us to know him so that we can discern. We can discern lies of the enemy. We can discern false teaching. We can discern somebody saying something that's not true and something that's not good and something that's not in line with what God has for us. God wants us to have discernment. There are a lot of books out there, and I know Hugh and I have been reading more and more, and um, we have to do that as we're, you know, doing this every Sunday. And all of you read, too. And maybe we're going through books in our connect groups or whatever else. But that is not, I'm sorry, take them with a grain of salt. Because we, want, we don't want to build our religion and our, not our religion, but our faith or our lives around another man's perspective. It's good to read. We do read. We read. But it's just take it with a grain of salt and know Get your revelation from the word of God and from knowing Jesus. And it's something we have to be wise in as a church, as we lead, as we lead others. Um, we need to know that 
we want to know God through his word and through his spirit and through revelation. And so just reading is good, but just, I was just reminded that we need discernment and build on Jesus, build on Jesus. So increased spiritual wisdom and knowledge is not the end result. So Paul was just praying for that, but that's not the end result. He goes on, he goes on to speak of, sorry guys, I have a little cold. He goes on to speak of how it leads to behavior changes in our lives and fruit in our lives. So it's not just increased spiritual wisdom and knowledge, but it actually leads to a changed lifestyle and fruit and fruit. So verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So our lifestyle changes as we grow in knowing Jesus, right? It starts, we start aligning our lives more with his heart and his ways and his will as we know him more. Not because we're trying so hard, it's just as we know and we grow in revelation of Jesus, we change, our lifestyle changes. We're not as self-focused or even as other people focused, but we're focused on Jesus and the things he has for us. Again, that's a journey, but it changes, our behavior changes. Pleasing, pleasing. It says in here, pleasing him in every way. So at first when I read that, pleasing really rubs me the wrong way because it's just such a weakness. Um, I see it as such a weakness, pleasing somebody else. How much do we please, you know, man to get a promotion or to be accepted as a friend or you please someone so that you can get something in return? Um, and it's just the way we look at pleasing. So it's like, well, God, you want, you want us to be pleasing to you. But that's not the heart of this. And I also had revelation of this as I was studying this week. Um, that's not what it means, pleasing God. Because we already have God's favor. He's already pleased with us. He's already accepted us. There's nothing we can do to be more accepted or more loved. But so I think it comes from just having this distorted view of God. Just um, maybe some of us have had earthly fathers that are hard to please. Uh, earthly fathers where, you know, nothing you did is ever good enough or really quick to point out, yeah, you did that well, but there's all these other things you could do better and you just couldn't ever. Um, you know, that's a reality and I think sometimes we see God as that because we don't see how good he is and we have these models and these examples of earthly fathers that, you know, it's hard sometimes to see that they're ever pleased. But... We don't see God as that kind of a father because it says here he wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit. So how do you bear fruit? Is it a dry, withered up tree that bears fruit? Or is it a tree that's flourishing, that's thriving, that bears fruit? So that's God's heart, is for us to flourish and thrive so that we can bear fruit. So that, that makes us to know that in our hearts we need to have this faith that God is good. He's better than we think that he is. And pleasing him, it's not hard. It's not hard. He's pleased when we flourish. He's pleased when our lives are bearing fruit. He's pleased when our decisions and our lifestyles line up with his way and they're wise so that we're safe, so that we're guarded and so that our lives are flourishing. So that's what pleases him. Which that just was like so freeing to me this week. God, you're not this difficult to please, Father. You're not at all. You're pleased, please. You want us to thrive. And to do that, we need to know him more. Going back to know him more. 
Our behavior changes. Sometimes we want the outcome, right? We want the outcome. We want the fruit. But we don't want to make the, the shifts and the adjustments sometimes. And I think we just have to realize that it's a process of aligning ourselves. And as, our, as we know him more and our, we come and bring every area of our lives more into his alignment with his ways and his will, not because he's controlling us, not because he wants to ruin our fun, but just as we do that, we will see fruit. We see fruit. We bear fruit. And God the Father is more saying, come on, my son and my daughter. Follow my instruction. Follow my ways. Live wisely so that, I can, so that you can be fruitful, so that we can be fruitful and flourish. He's up there saying, oh, my daughter got her finances in order, and now she's bearing fruit. She's able to be a blessing. She's generous. And there's fruit in her life in that area. Or my son and daughter's marriage, they put their life into alignment with my plan and my pattern for their marriage, and they're happy, and they're loving marriage, and they're thriving in their marriage, and there's fruit. That's his heart for us. And I can share just personally for Hugh and I, um, living and staying in the city was a challenge because we wanted to go. We, you know, we wanted to go elsewhere. It's hard to live in the city. It's hard to raise a family in the city. We love the city, but once we had kids and our family's elsewhere, you know, it's hard to settle here. So we always wanted to go, but God always kept staying us, kept staying us and staying us, and so we stayed. And then he wanted to plant us here and root us here. Um, and so we've said yes. And we're like, okay, Lord, this is where you have us, so we're going to put down roots can a shallow rooted tree bear fruit? Not much, right? So he wants us to root ourselves in him, but also physically where we live. And so we did that, and we're happy. Like, we're surprised at how much we love it here and how happy we are. Because when we align ourselves with God's will for us, we are happy, actually. There's joy, and we're happy. So that's just a little personal testimony on us because there's been many where, areas, though, where, you know, it's not easy to let God's will into every area, but I believe he wants us to. So be assured of this, that it's God's desire for us to flourish and bear fruit. A thriving and healthy tree bears fruit, and it's God's desire for us to grow in knowing him, knowing him more. He wants us to be protected from false teaching, from false doctrine from people who add or take away from the gospel. He wants us to stay in freedom. And then Paul encourages them. I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel overwhelmed, like overwhelmed by many things, right? The task is too hard. The calling is too hard. What I have to do is too hard. I'm overwhelmed even by walking with you, Lord, and all the things that you want to do in my life or just whatever. I'm in this pattern of living, and I don't think I can change. So we have these overwhelmed moments. And so Paul says, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Strengthened with all power. God's strength is always available to us. And Paul is saying to them, I haven't asked you to do, God is saying to them, I haven't asked you to do anything that I'm not giving you the strength to do and the power to do it. We know that. God will always give us what we need. And we can ask him for strength every minute of every day. Say, Lord, I need your strengthening. I need your power. And the power is not a, you know, flimsy power. It is the power that transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That supernatural power is available for us every single day. So Paul left them with 
that encouragement, that there's strength and power available to you to carry on, to keep going as a church, to keep going. Lord, we can do this because you give us the strength. Verse 11, so that you'll have great endurance and patience. Two words, endurance and patience. I don't love those words very much. I don't know about you. I'm like, eh, endurance and patience. Okay, so Rain's on the swim team along with Ella. Little Rain and Ella are on swim team. And when I think of endurance, I didn't grow up doing a lot of sports, so I can't uh, relate to all this. But as you know, swimming, there are some nights where it's water polo and it's fun and she loves it. They do like games and stuff. But then there's other nights where it's an hour and a half straight of swimming laps, an hour and a half straight of swimming laps. It's exhausting. And she come home and she's crying and she's like, I can't do it. And I don't think I can do it. I'm so tired. So we talk, Rain, you're going to get stronger. It's okay. You know, just keep going. And... She has, because she's young. She's built up endurance. Now she doesn't come home that tired. It's only been since December. And she doesn't come home that tired. She doesn't come home crying. She's, she's actually doing it, and she's fine. So she's gotten stronger. She's built endurance. And that's what endurance is. When you think of it, if you're a runner, if you're a swimmer, can you build endurance when you get to that point where you think you can't go anymore and you quit? You can't build endurance that way, right? You get to the point where you can't go anymore and you push through and you keep going, and then you have more endurance. That's how you build it, and it's spiritually the exact same way. The exact same way, spiritually. I mean, I can only speak to what Hugh and I go through. I don't know what your you know, personal things all are, but for us, the church plant, and the, you know, there are times when you're so tired and you don't think you can do it anymore in the last year. Not now, now we're just thriving. But like last year. <laughs> but, and you get to that point where you think you can't, and then you keep going, and the Lord gives you this supernatural strength, and he gives you the endurance, and you come out of it, and you say, I'm stronger than I was before. I have more endurance. It's not like that's the end goal, but I'm just saying that God does that in our lives. He does that. He wants us to have endurance and patience. God desires us to have patience because, I mean, maybe you guys know more than me, but to me, because he knows we're not going to live in the fullness of everything he has for us overnight, right? So, I mean, maybe for you guys it's like that, but for me it's not. I'm not living in the fullness of everything, you know, overnight. So he knows that. So he knows it's going to require patience to walk this walk with him and to do what we're doing. Even the church, you know, it can speak to so many different areas of our lives. Just having patience, waiting on God. I don't like patience, so I'm not preaching at you at all. Verse 12 and giving joyful thanks to the Father. <laughs> giving joyful thanks to the Father. Joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Giving joyful thanks. Paul's writing and his letters are all gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. I mean, he just can't talk about it enough. The importance of gratitude in the life of a believer. And it came through this morning so beautifully in Marie's contribution. Just all that we have to be thankful for. And I actually read one commentary that said, when, when we're overflowing with gratitude as believers, it means we're just starting to actually know and love Jesus for who he is, the one true God. So it's a sign of us knowing him more. is just this overflowing gratitude for all that he's done. And I know, like, thanksgiving and praise is the last thing we want to do when we're 
you know, having a rough time or when we have a dark cloud over our head. We kind of just would rather wallow, right? Or not thank or give praise or isolate, right? Not see anybody. Those are the kinds of things we want to do when we have a dark cloud over our head. But thanksgiving and praise is exactly what we need to do. Be together with a body, giving praise, giving thanks. That cloud goes away. When we can think clearly, we come into the presence of God. The Bible says thanksgiving is the way into the presence of God. So that's what we need, right? When we have things we're working through, we need the presence of God. And it's always available through thanksgiving. Finally, in verse 13, if we're ever wondering what to be grateful for, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of light of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of Jesus, the son he loves. And the Bible says that he loves us the same as he loves Jesus. So if we want to know what to be thankful for, we have so much to be thankful for. And the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says when we're saved, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if those ends ever touch, so that's pretty far. He casts them as far as the east is to the west, remembers them no more. The slate is wiped clean, and we have forgiveness in Jesus, which is amazing. And we're loved by the Father. So in concluding, in concluding we do have a delightful inheritance. We really do. Not just as a church, but the church is the people that make it up. And so these people have a delightful inheritance in Jesus, because of Jesus, because he's rescued us, because he gives us everything we need and he wants us to bear fruit and grow. And he strengthens us and he comforts us along the way and he's given us his spirit. And we can keep going with endurance and patience. So I feel like God's saying this morning, well done. You guys have had a good start. You've got a good start. You know you've experienced God's love. You understand grace. You've got faith. You love each other. It's beautiful. There's growth. There's fruit. There's so much more. There's so much more. And I love that because I always want to know that there's more. <laughs> and there's more for each of you guys. There's more for each of us this morning. So um, I was going to pray for us this morning. I had some things on my heart just for us to know God more as it already came through this morning. But to just let that be the desire of our hearts, just to know him more. And for joy for us in the journey. I've had just a, I have a faith just for God to release joy for some this morning who are carrying on and going and doing things and just needing that, that lightness, that joy to come in the journey. And for fruit, Trusting for fruit from, from God and for the strength, supernatural strength, just to be given to us for the season ahead. So I would like to pray for that this morning for us. If you guys are okay to stand and just receive this morning, I can just pray for us. <clears throat> Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for these people, God. Thank you for this church, Father. Thank you for what you've started here, God. Thank you that you're faithful to complete the work you've started, God. And thank you for the more, Father, that you have for us, Father. Thank you, God. You're so good. Thank you, God. You've handpicked the people at Restoration, Father, to be here for this time.
and for the unique thing that you want to do here, God. We just want to know you more, Jesus, as came through this morning already, God. I just pray that you fill us more with a knowledge of your will and your heart, God. Just fill us with a knowledge of your love for people, for, our, for love for you, God, and just our salvation, who we are in you, God. Just root us and establish us in love, Father, even deeper, God, even deeper, Father. So Father, I just pray for a lightness to come on your people this morning, God. I just pray that you release joy and lightness and a fresh, fresh release for the journey, God, that you have each of us on, God. I just pray you lift off heaviness now in Jesus' name. And just for joy, God, a supernatural joy that's not explainable in the work, in the things we do, God. For each of us, Lord, that we're meant to enjoy the things we do, Father. And I pray for that this morning, God. And we just trust you for fruit. We trust you. We thank you for the fruit that we've already had, Father. We just thank you for the fruit and the life that's here. And God, we just pray for more fruit, Lord. More fruit. More fruit in the lives here, Father. In every area, God. Thank you, Lord, that you want to just have us bear more for you, Father. And I ask for supernatural strength, Lord, for the journey. Just a supernatural strengthening, God. That song we sang this morning, Strengthened in Your Love. I pray, Father, you would strengthen each of us in your love, Jesus. In the knowledge of your amazing, incredible love for us, Father. Thank you, God.